Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 179. We're going to continue the free agency talk. Man, week two of free agency did not disappoint. It was a wild one for sure, making really like the last two weeks, probably like the wildest offseason weeks in NFL history, really. Uh, More quarterbacks were traded last week or signed to new teams, um, including the first two picks in the 2015 NFL draft, which is pretty wild. They were on new teams. Uh, Two first-round running backs uh, were re-signed with teams after showing promise last season. Uh, The Packers gained and lost a player after losing Devontae Adams last week, and a top-tier dynasty receiver was traded just like Adams was the previous week. So week two did not disappoint. It's a crazy week, wild week. And I'm going to talk now just about some of the players, uh, 10 players, dynasty values as they were kind of shaken up this week due to free agency. Here are some of my thoughts on these 10 players with new, or in some cases, same homes. Matt Ryan. Uh, Ryan was traded to the Colts, giving him a chance to play for a contender instead of a rebuilding team in Atlanta. This trade instantly made the dynasty value of the Colts' pass catchers increase, in my opinion. Unlike Carson Wentz last season, I think that Ryan can unlock the fantasy production of Michael Pittman. Paris Campbell, if he could be healthy, and really probably Mo Ali Cox if he stays in the starting tight end role more than that in a minute. I wouldn't be surprised, too, uh, to see the Colts uh, draft a wide receiver or a tight end, but for now, Ashton Doolin and Kylan Granson also are pretty valuable prospects to pick up off the waiver wire or acquire in a trade right now. Um, I already had Doolin rostered in most of my leagues after his playing time increased steadily, and then they tendered him with a, in, during free agency, so they like what they have in Doolin, so I picked him up already in a lot of leagues. I still like Allie Cox over Granson, uh, but Granson really could be the best tight end to roster in Indianapolis. It really could happen. I'm excited to see what Ryan can do um, with a change of scenery, and after so many years in Atlanta, I think that he's going to make the team much better than Phillip Rivers did or Carson Wentz did, each of the starting quarterbacks the last two years. So I like what he's going to do, and I like how it's going to make the rest of the fantasy options and dynasty options there in Indianapolis increase in value. His trade gave way to the next one, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Ryan's departure left a void in Atlanta, which they quickly filled. Felt like it was just like about hours later with Marcus Mariota. Uh, Like I talked about with Mitch Trubisky last week, I do think that Mariota's resurrected, you know, he's been resurrected from the dead as far as dynasty leagues, particularly super flex leagues mostly. Um, And as I said about Trubisky last week though, I suspect that the Falcons, you know, will draft a quarterback in this NFL draft. And so I think kind of Mariota's dynasty value may spike. Right now it does. I think it might be short-lived. Um, I was I know I was offered Mariota for a 2023 second-round pick in one league. I declined it because I didn't think he's going to be there for very long. And that was a super flex league um, because I'm just not willing to take that chance on him that he's really going to be the franchise quarterback of the future for Atlanta. However, another team in that league agreed to the very same trade. So I do know that there's others out there that believe that he can revive his career. As for the pass catchers in Atlanta... Uh, the signing is a significant downgrade to their dynasty value. Without Matt Ryan there, everyone takes a hit. And that said, you could ask the question, uh, what pass catchers in, does Atlanta have anyway right now? Um, they really, with the exception of Kyle Pitts, and at this age and talent level, 
Pitts is really hard to move too far down in your dynasty rankings as a result of this change, but I do have enough concern to drop him down a bit when it comes to you know where I'd be willing to draft him, like in startup drafts. Uh, definitely still a top tier tight end, um, but you know my eagerness to take him you know would change considerably in startup drafts now with Mariota there. We'll see what happens. Third quarterback we'll talk about is Jameis Winston. Uh, Winston signed a two-year deal with the Saints, which is really what I had hoped for and why I have so many shares of Winston on my teams. Uh, unlike his draft classmate, Mariota, I believe that he can actually revive his dynasty value and revive the dynasty value of Michael Thomas and the off-season pending value that we have right now on Alvin Kamara, kind of waiting to see if he was going to get a quarterback that could help him stay effective in the passing game, let alone his uh, possible suspension. Uh, Winston can never, you know, bring his dynasty teammates' dynasty value up to the level that, that you know they had under Drew Brees. So everyone really takes a fall, no matter who's it there. But things could have been much worse for the Saints if the players had signed. You know, if Winston had signed with another team, they really would have been in trouble. Winston also has a you know a long history at his college and pro career of targeting the tight end. So I actually am really excited to see what this signing will mean for Adam Troutman, who I really believe is po- poised to have a breakout season this year. Before his season-ending injury last year, uh, he was, you know, a quarterback that elevated the dynasty value of Marquez Callaway, too. So there's good reason to believe that Callaway's dynasty value is going to increase a little bit this season, too, uh, even with Michael Thomas back as the wide receiver one in New Orleans. All things good. I believe in Winston. These two guys that were drafted in the 2015 class right after each other, I think Winston's going to revive his career. Marcus, I think it's going to be, Mariota's going to just be a little bit more short-lived. On to running backs. Leonard Fournette, uh, Tampa Bay's bringing the whole band back together, it looks like. I was just kind of waiting on Gronk to be the last one to sign with them. But they signed him to a Fournette to a three-year deal. Uh, this deal is the very best landing spot for Fournette. And his dynasty bounce back is going to continue for the life of this new contract, I think. Fournette seems to play better for a team that proves that they really want him. He's kind of got an attitude thing like that. Uh, unlike the coaching staff at Jacksonville, who spurned him last offseason, And then now we know that Thomas Jones is likely to sign with another team. Uh, Fournette should see even bigger piece of the pie during his life life of this contract. That said, the the value is closely tied to the offense's uh, effectiveness under Tom Brady, who may retire after this season. You never know with Brady. Uh, So doesn't know if he's going to have Brady for all three years of Fournette's contract or not. Um, Brady's presence on the team really is what floats Fournette's dynasty stock for sure. So his dynasty value is a little bit more volatile. Uh, after this one year, I suspect that he's going to be a player that a lot of contenders try to buy right now, and rebuilders, you know, would be willing to sell him. I think if I was a contender, I would be eager to buy Fournette. If I was rebuilding and I had him on my roster, I'd be really, really uh, eager to sell him and see what I could get back. Next running back was Rashad Penny. Uh, Penny re-signed with the Seahawks on a one-year kind of prove-it deal. Uh, his excellent finish to the end of the season last year really caused the, the Seahawks to take one more look at their first-round draft pick. And uh, thus far, you know, he's been a bust, but maybe he can do what he did at the very end of last season. I learned a, a little bit more about this in the offseason, but after his rough start to his career, you know, due to poor play and some injuries that he sustained, uh, Penny admitted that he actually really struggled with mental health. And last season, Penny shared about how his mental health work, the, the stuff that he did to get right mentally, was a significant part of what led to better play, you know, in his fourth NFL season. It's a small, you know, part of the story, but I really buy into it in this case. I'm glad that Penny stayed in Seattle with a team who knows about his struggles and who showed faith in him. I believe that he'll be in a timeshare with Chris Carson, if Carson gets healthy, that is. But I think the script is really going to switch this year, where Penny's going to become the lead back, 
And if Pitty proves himself in this one-year deal, Seattle will be glad to sign him and extend it to you know more extended contract. And Penny, I think he'll be happy to sign with a team that actually believed in him. So Penny's a player I'd really like to make trade offers for this week just to see if I can find someone who thinks differently about him than I do. Uh, stock up for Penny, even though it is just a one-year deal. He's got a lot to prove. Next running back I'll talk about is Jeff Wilson. Uh, this signing was you know one of the less talked about ones last week, I'm sure. But I'm intrigued um, by it by what it communicates about the 49ers' thoughts about Trey Sermon, uh, the presumed backup to Elijah Mitchell. Uh, the 49ers let Raheem Mostert go in free agency. We talked about that last week. But they re-signed Wilson and Jamichael Hasty, And so I believe the wider the running back number two position in San Francisco is really up for grabs. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if w- Wilson wins the job ahead of Sermon and uh, ahead of Hasty. You know about Coach Shanahan, you know about him. He doesn't give a crap about draft capital. So he's willing to start Wilson over Sermon, just as he was willing to start Mitchell over Sermon last last season. Uh, Wilson has had some dominant fantasy games in the few chances that he's had to be the starter uh, for the 49ers. So if Mitchell gets injured, uh, Wilson could do so again this season. Uh, this week, I'd really love to try to trade to pick him back up, particularly because I love the strategy of having a lot of you know, backup running backs on my team so that they can jump in when there's an injury. Uh, Wilson would be one that I'd really like to add. I'd like to see the teams that have Wilson, and maybe if I have a backup running back that fits their handcuff, maybe I can make, you know, backup for backup kind of trade just to add Wilson because I like his upside uh, pretty uh, pretty strongly there in San Francisco. Now we've got to talk. We're going to receivers. Could have let off with this one because it was the biggest trade of the week. Tyreek Hill, <clears throat> man, I waited this long to get to the biggest deal of the week. But we're going position by position, so now we're in wide receivers. Uh, Tyreek Hill was traded to Miami in a dynasty-like blockbuster trade. Unfortunately for dynasty managers, this trade, in my opinion, damaged the dynasty value about, of about every player on the Dolphins and the Chiefs, except for Tua Tungaviola. Uh, Patrick Mahomes loses his top target, and Travis Kelsey loses the player that draws attention away from him. Jalen Waddell and Mike Gusecki, they're going to lose targets with Hill on the team. And Devontae Parker, he's now like a prime candidate to get traded. Uh, Hill's dynasty value falls because he's on a less productive team with an inferior quarterback. It's, you know, a make-it-or-break-it year for Tua, for sure. He's now has one of the most talented pass catchers, you know, pass catching teams around him. And I'm very confident that he's going to prove himself capable this next year and see his dynasty stock rise even higher than it has after the big bump that he took this week after this trade was made. Um, I love this trade as an NFL fan, especially for Miami. Um, And to see what Kansas City does in the NFL draft to improve their team, that's going to be fun to see. But I'm not too fond of it, you know, from a dynasty manager. I feel like most all the players in this trade lost some dynasty value apart from Tua. And we're on Juju uh, Smith-Schuster here in a minute. Next player we'll talk about is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. We'll just call him MVS. So MVS spurned Green Bay by signing with the Chiefs really an attempt for them to get some of Tyreek's speed back on their team. I would have preferred that MVS sign with Green Bay. Um, his rapport with Aaron Rodgers really could have held his dynasty value up a little bit higher than uh, did with Kansas City. But Kansas City is without Tyreek Hill, so it's not really a bad situation for him. I think it's a pretty good situation for him. But I'm sure that the Chiefs will use some of the picks that they acquired from the Dolphins in the Hill trade to draft a wide receiver, maybe even two wide receivers. I wouldn't be surprised at all. If so, the future wide receiver one in Kansas City, maybe a player that's not even on their team yet. Might be one of these guys that they draft. I did mention him when I was discussing the trade of Tyree Kill above um, before because um, 
the heel trade, but Juju Smith-Schuster's dynasty value, I think, like Tua's did spike just a bit after Hill was traded. Yeah, he kind of was definitely thought now that he's definitely presumed to be the wide receiver one, but I think that's really just for the time being. I do think that he could get quickly surpassed by a wide receiver that the Chiefs select in this year's draft. So I see Juju and MVS as kind of sell candidates right now, especially since there are managers who will see them as buy candidates. I think things are going to change pretty considerably for both of their values after the uh, NFL draft when Kansas City picks uh, a receiver or, like I said, maybe even two. Let's hit up a few few tight ends. Uh, Speaking of the losses in Green Bay, we'll talk about Robert Tunyon. Uh, Tunyon fell off the mental map of most dynasty managers after a really slow start in 2021 and a season-ending injury in Week 8. Rodgers definitely boosted his dynasty stock in 2020 season by throwing 11 regular season touchdown passes to him and even one more touchdown in the postseason. In 2020, Tunyon caught a a touchdown on 21% of his catches. So 21% of his catches were for touchdowns. And so savvy dynasty managers knew that this was really unsustainable, so they didn't move him up too high in their rankings. Uh, but last year's slow start to the season, you know, it confirmed their expectations, and his dynasty stock even fell further by the end of the season. I think, though, uh, for this year, the missing targets in Green Bay after Adams' you know, trade really makes me a little bit more interested in Tanya again, um, I, especially after you know they quickly signed him after Adams left. Adams left, and then within that next week, they signed Tanya back. Um, just a one-year deal, so that's that's you know something to factor in. But Rodgers, we know he kind of has his favorites, and Tunyon was one of his favorites when he was healthy two years ago and a little bit at the start of the last year, even though it was a slow start. This year, Green Bay should probably draft a wide receiver in the first round of the NFL draft, but they're also a very stubborn team with a history of waiting in the draft to draft receivers later. And so it's going to be really interesting to see if they're going to stick with their you know game plan this year. Uh, either way... Tanyan's really, you know, high-end worth, you know, worth, he's a tight end worth um, rostering just to see how the season starts. Um, I picked him up off of waivers actually this last week after the Adams trade was announced. I just knew that they were going to sign Tanyan back, so I signed him or picked him up on, on off waivers uh, just before they re-signed him this last week. You know, his only chance to regain dynasty value is in Green Bay, so that's a good thing that he stayed there, and I think he will. It'll make him kind of like a streamable tight end on dynasty rosters. Nothing's, you know, nothing crazy, but I think next year he's going to be a streamable tight end uh, given the uncertainty for who's going to be catching the passes from Aaron Rodgers. Last one we'll talk about is Gerald Everett. Uh, Everett signed a two-year deal with the Chargers after spending just one season in Seattle. And while I love the move for the Chargers, I'm actually less excited about it, the chance that it really affects Everett's dynasty value or uh, I think it just instead just improves the team but doesn't really help Everett from a dynasty standpoint. Uh, he's definitely paired with a terrific quarterback and offense, but I just think there's too many mouths to feed in LA. Uh, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Mike Williams, they're going to continue to be Justin Herbert's top targets, leaving little room for Everett to contribute consistently. I believe that Everett will have some great fantasy games for sure. Might like him in like a best ball league late, um, but they're going to be really difficult to predict. And as a rule, I prefer tight ends that are either highly targeted or they're highly targeted in the red zone. And Everett's just not going to be targeted enough. And then I also believe that Donald Parham is a much better red zone threat because of his size. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all if Everett's the starting tight end, but Parham ends the season with more touchdown catches than Everett. And so if he's not going to get targets and he's not going to get touchdowns, um, I'm not too interested in Everett right now. I do think, though, that his athleticism between the 20s, you could say between the 20-yard lines, uh, really will 
you know, force defenses to pay attention to him, which really opens things up more for Allen, Eckler, and Williams. So I think it's good for their dynasty value, uh, but not Everett in and of himself. Crazy week two of free agency. Happy New Year, as I like to say, two weeks into the NFL New Year. And we've had a lot of like fantasy and dynasty-like trades, so it's been super fun. I appreciate you listening, and I hope that you guys can make some actionable moves based on my opinions of these players. That's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation at any time by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Much better on email than Twitter, so that's the best, best way to contact me for sure. Like I said, every week I would be honored if you would take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.